Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hello, I am Anika Orok, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Lynn. This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, baseball fan and barbecue world champion. You are listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Show with Lynn and Jeff. Let's play ball. From the studios of Baseball and BBQ on Long Island, New York, this is episode number 156 of Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for? Barbecue. I'm Jeff Cohen, along with my fabulous co-host, Leonard Hollywood Aberman, we welcome you back to our podcast. Leonard, how are you? I'm good, but you, you, I said barbecue, and you look at me like I'm, I didn't put enough energy into that, right? I didn't put you enough did oomph. You did okay. not. No oomph. No right. oomph. So, you know what? Ask me again. Go ahead. Baseball and BBQ, what the BBQ stands for? Barbecue. Is that better? <laughs> better, yes. Okay. I mean... I perform on cue. <laughs> <laughs> on cue. There you go. Uh, Jeff, it's good to be here. As some comedian once said, it's good to be anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just tell you that football is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You will find the latest odds, matchup information player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, Tennis, boxing, and yes, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Jeff, let's start by telling everybody who we've got on episode 156, where the BBQ stands for, Jeff? Barbecue. That's that's the energy <laughs> I know and love. Go ahead. Who do we have on the show? 
We had well, we took a road trip. Road trip. We went down to Ray's Roadside Kitchen and we interviewed Raymond and his dad Ray. Well, you did the interviewing. I I, I held the camera. Yeah. Well, it, okay. Somebody's got to hold the camera. That's right. A big production crew. <laughs> we we we're you know we're a high cost. And that was a great trip. Cream Ridge, New Jersey. We ate well. And uh, that was that was fun. So, yeah, Ray and Raymond. And that is our barbecue segment. But, yeah, Jeff, except, except the end of the trip when I got home wasn't that great. When you got home. Yeah. Could you remember Ray was nice as us. He gave us a gift of a barbecue oh, sauce. Yeah. Right. So I put it next to my other barbecue sauce and that fell off the <laughs> shelf and broke. <laughs> so you thought I have two barbecue sauces. And then you were back to having one barbecue exactly sauce. Exactly right. Oh, uh, wow. Easy so. come, easy go. Yeah. And, and Jeff, who do we have after Ray and Raymond? We have John Vampatella. We had him on before when he wrote the book, The Forgotten Game, about the 2004 Game 5 between the, the Yankees and the Red Sox. But we are here to talk post-season awards. Yes, postseason awards. I kind of just sat back, commented once in a while, but you and John were very good with your awards. And uh, we will have to see how accurate you guys are. You think you think you're on the money, Jeff? I think I got most of them accurate. Yeah. Okay. We will see. I think you did. You probably did. It wasn't like you uh, went crazy, you know, saying the 25th man on the roster of uh, the Pirates is going to be MVP. I mean, that would have been that would have been really uh, a stretch, I would say. Right. But before we go on, let me tell everybody to please give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us baseball and BBQ at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. We have a Twitter. Tweet. Tweet. At at Baseball BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and BBQ. Barbecue is all spelled out. If you want to see the interview with Ray Sheehan, you can go to our YouTube page, Baseball and BBQ. And our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Please rate and review us. And subscribe. And subscribe. Why not? Yeah. Of course. I mean, that way, you know, when a new episode comes out, you get it right away. So, Jeff, I'm just going to tease a little bit. And when we get back, we might have a little surprise. Ooh, okay. You know what I mean. So be prepared. We are in Someplace in New Jersey, New Egypt, or no, Cream Ridge. Cream Ridge. Although we did see a sign for that said New Egypt on it. I don't know. It used to say "Expect to be charmed," but uh, they, they got rid of that part. They took that part. Down. We are with the Barbecue Buddha, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who we told one day we would get to world domination, raise roadside kitchen entrepreneur. Ray, she and Ray, we are so thrilled that we are here today. We had your food. We, we had your hospitality. The people that work here are unbelievable. We met your sister-in-law. 
We're ready to leave, so let's end the no, interview right no, now. No, no, don't go. We need help. We are hiring, we're, just we're, let everyone know. We, they're hiring. I applied. Ray said, sorry, you just... Your hands aren't, uh, you know, uh, chapped enough. It doesn't look like you've ever worked a day in your life. But <laughs> I, I'm very grateful that you guys made the trip to come down here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really touched. and uh, It just really warms my heart. And, you know, you get to see what we're doing here, everything in action, from the fried chicken, the southern fried chicken, to the low-smoked uh, pit barbecue. You get to try a little bit of everything. And the most important thing is that you got to try your namesake, the baseball and barbecue, which is a foot-long hot dog made right here in Jersey. with, And it's adorned with cheddar cheese, barbecue beans, crumbled bacon. It's uh, And I put a little bit of the Kansas City barbecue sauce on it just to De- doll it up a little bit. Delicious. It is going to be your number one bestseller. I came in here. There was a nice couple. I don't know who they are. And the first baseball BBQ footlong that I purchased, I didn't even eat. I bought for these people. I'll never see them again. Well, he did offer to buy you one next time he sees you. Yes. So, I mean, if that's that and $1.50, I'll get you a cup of coffee. Exactly. I, I'm going to keep coming back. You know what? If you see that couple again, you get on the phone, call me, three hours, I'll be here. Oh, perfect. And, and, for a and free we'll... hot dog. It's great. All right, so Ray, let's 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 cut out all this this tomfoolery. Okay, okay, I'll get serious for a second. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, how does it feel to realize the dream? And and this was a dream. And you put a lot of hard work into it, but to realize the dream of finally, you this is your restaurant. This you, this is my home run record. This is my dream catch. This is my big play. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great a, feeling. It's a beautiful place. I mean, it really is a beautiful place. It, it, it's, a, and it's a very nice area. It really wasn't hard to get here. I mean, of course, we, we came a well, long it way. Is a, but. It is a ride, yes. But it is, it's, we're centrally, we're located yeah. like right in the heart, in the center of New Jersey. We're not far from Trenton. We're 10 yeah. minutes from Six Flags Great Adventure. So we're, we're right in the middle of the state. So my idea was this. I said to Jeff, we're going to come in. We're going to eat everything on the menu get so full we're almost going to just you know what right, and then we're right. going to go to great adventure go on a roller coaster oh, and you know and then come back <laughs> exactly empty out and come back yeah, there you go <laughs> but so ray you opened just a few days ago and the, the people it's, that were here they love it it's been non-stop we're getting really great reviews on facebook and instagram and social media we're not taking phone orders yet so people have had to come in and they are waiting but everything is made fresh you know we're not it's it's not like um, it's made two days ago in some warehouse. We're making it fresh every day for people. So it's you know been a challenge to keep up, and that's a good thing. So now we're going to hire some folks and streamline a few things, and then we'll we'll be uh, lean and mean. Yes, yes. There's a lot of farms in this area, so in the summertime we will try to get a lot of local produce. And as for the build out, we used as many local people as we could. You'll see this mural. Uh, was put together by local artists in our area that have refurbished the whole fleet, the New Egypt flea market. Rustic Relics and the Prickly Pig, they did everything. And Allison Maines, her son, did the door handle. I don't know if you noticed that it's a cleaver. Oh, yeah. The, Every, we noticed. Everybody's been noticing. So, you know, we, we try to get... There's a lot of thought that's gone into this place from the cleaver door handle to the all-natural soda to making our own dredge for the chicken. And 
and just really trying to be beneficial to our community. You know, that, that we want to tie that aspect into it. And the way we're doing that is by having a corner over here where you can have local artists perform music or sell their art. And, um, and we'll do like a, a work program with the high school as well. Yeah, this is, you could do anything here. This is your place. You could, you could do anything. And it's, it, it must feel amazing. This is, it is Ray's Roadside Kitchen. It's not Leonard's. It's not Jeff's. Although, this place has given me ideas. Right, right. <laughs> and, and by the way, the baseball and barbecue hot dog, the footlong, will be the best seller. It's just a prediction. Okay. It's up there already. I mean. <laughs> so, Ray, you have a, a table, and a, um, a stand in the front with your sauces and your rubs and some other items, your cookbooks. Locally roasted coffee as well, hot honey, AR Southern hot honey. You know, uh, we have a local honey guy that we're going to be purchasing from so we can sell his stuff as well. But so far, we've been selling some cookbooks and some barbecue sauce, a little bit of everything. Nice. And I, and I noticed your son is working in the kitchen. We got everybody working. My sister-in-law, my son, uh, my wife was helping out the other night. It's a family affair. It's amazing because I, I was expecting your son. I don't know why. I'm expecting someone smaller. And I walk in the kitchen, and, and, and Jeff says, this is Ray's son. I'm like, wait, how could that be? You're supposed to be little. <laughs> it's amazing. But family affair, great. Jeff's giving me the little... Wrap it up. Why do I have to wrap it up? You need me to wrap it up, I'll wrap. Is that what you need? Uh, I got to go back to work. But, oh, come but on. I, These people can wait for their food. But. Yeah, why not? <laughs> no. no, no, no. We, Ray, again, we can't even, we're so excited for you. We, prom- we did. When, when, we, when we met you first time, second time, whatever it was, we said, we're going to help you achieve world domination. You're achieving it. We're watching it happen. We, we couldn't be we couldn't be happier for you, Ray. Thank this you is, so much. Yeah, this this is. Go ahead, please. <laughs> oh, I just want to say thank you, guys. You know, you guys have always been big supporters and true friends, and I really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys making the ride all the way down here. And uh, the least I could do is name a, a, a the best selling sandwich after you. Location. Yeah. Location is uh, Cream Ridge, New Jersey. Is uh, four sixty five Pinehurst Road, Route five thirty nine. You know, we're going to be open uh, Wednesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., and uh, we're going to try to keep those hours as much as possible. The first week, we, you know, we had to take a little bit of time to do some extra prep, but we're streamlining everything so we can run lean and mean and continue with our hours uh, of 11 to 8. So come on down. One more we thing. We can't wait to feed you. They can't wait to feed you. Ray, you, are you running on adrenaline right now? I- I'm running on chicken. Listen, if you want, really, seriously, the best southern fried chicken in New Jersey, come to Ray's Roadside Kitchen. There you go. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Thanks. You know, we had Ray Sheehan, but you guys are in for a big treat because we have, what what do you say, fruit of the loins of, is that the expression, fruit of the loins? We have Ray Sheehan, the barbecue Buddha's son, Raymond, Raymond Sheehan, who is working his butt off. In Ray's Roadside Kitchen. You are, he's doing everything. He's learning the business. He's washing the dishes. There's not much he doesn't do. So, Raymond, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, we, we don't want to take too much of your time because we know you have a restaurant to run, even though your dad thinks he's running it. Uh, that's true, but that's true. Yeah. tell us, 
what it's like to be oh, this is too, too much of an open-ended question. I was going to say, what it's like to be the son of Ray Sheehan. Well, I think it's great. You, l- you learn a lot. You learn a lot about barbecue. You learn a lot about the restaurant. Now I'm learning a lot about the restaurant business and you know, the business side of things as well, too. So, When your dad started with the rubs and the sauces, what what, were, what well, how old were you when he first started? Well, he started in 2015, so I was... Around nine, nine years old. Yeah. So you probably just thought, okay, this is something Dad yeah, it's does. Just the way that did, yeah. It's just, right. Just how it's just started up and now it evolved into all of this. Did you ever kind of say, Dad, why are you putting this sauce on everything? Like, Dad, I, I mean, my ice cream doesn't need to have <laughs> your mantra rub on it or, your, I mean, your sauce on it. Can I have anything without your stuff? Did, no, he didn't put it on everything, right? Not everything, but... The food that he would cook, and he, he would put it on, because it started off as him just trying out things, and then he eventually evolved into a business of him selling it. And then we just, we all liked it, and he, he wanted to put it on stuff instead of the other alternative, because his stuff has good ingredients, and it's good better for you than other stuff on store shelves. So now he comes out with his sauces, his rubs, he starts selling them. We met him in New Jersey at an expo. I mean, he was working hard, trying to get out there. And then he takes on the project of a cookbook. Mm-hmm. How yes. is that? Well, it started with him working on it casually around the house, and then he got caught up with some works things, and then he just decided to go full force on it and to just do it. And then we, we got it done, and we had a photo shoot for all the pictures for it. He got a, a publishing company. It was. How long did you know? And I'm skipping ahead now to the restaurant. Yeah. So how long did your dad talk about owning a restaurant and running? Ever since I was little, he's always wanted to do it. And then, you know, it just happens about like a year ago, finally got, got a chance. And he just took, took all the opportunity, and here we are. You're pretty proud of your dad, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, it's, we're proud of him, and we're not even related. <laughs> <laughs> so I can just imagine. And I think the fact that you're now getting the chance to work with him must be a nice thing. It is nice. It's good we spend time together. Even though, it, you know, it's still time. You know? Right. Still of time. course. Still. Of course. And I could see that the place gets a little busy, which yes. is great. Yeah, you great, want it yeah. to be busy. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you kind of want a little lull, I guess, in the day, right? Sometimes. And this is good for right now, how it gets, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're getting into the dinner rush. Yes, it's coming. It's coming. But. I mean, you only open on Wednesday and already... The buzz is, and, and, and buzz is appropriate because he sells yeah. fried chicken where he puts on different honeys on it if you want, yes. right? So, but the buzz is really, uh, it's incredible for this place. Yes. And, and I think you guys are really going to achieve what we told Ray he would achieve, which is world domination. <laughs> and you're going to be right there at his side. Yes. You know, one day you take this place over yeah. and you'll have a second I could see I could see franchising Ray's Roadside Kitchen that'd be that would be amazing if that ended up happening if anyone could do it I gotta tell you if anyone could do it it's your dad and I see what I I mean I just I was observing how hard you work so with the two of you and I know your mom's a hard worker of course she is uh, you guys will you guys will achieve anything you put your minds to you really will. So we, we're thrilled that you joined us on Baseball and BBQ. The BBQ stands for barbecue, by yes. the way. <laughs> and we, we wish you 
tons of success with this place. Thanks for Thank joining you. us, Ray. Thank you. Ra- Raymond, I should say. I call you Ray. Raymond. Thanks, Raymond. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you for a lovely day at, at the restaurant. Len, you have anything to say? Yeah, it was delicious. And and I, I wish them all, not that they need good luck from us, but wish them tons of success. The way they are going, they are going to be a very successful, great restaurant. And if I can remind everyone to please visit bbqbuddha.com for the rubs and accessories. Of course, that's Ray Sheehan's place. Baseballbbq.com for grilling tools made with baseball bat handles. And the Pandemic Baseball Book Club, where we have so many of the authors on. And you could buy the books. You could buy some swag. And now, I promised you a surprise. And I'm going to deliver on it. So here we go. Everybody loves this, Jeff. You got to give the people what they want. So I'm going to start it off by just saying with a baseball rant. Well, thank you, Lenny. You know, a week or so ago, the Yankees and the Guardians were playing in the first game of the American League Division Series, I guess they call it. And the score, I don't remember the score, but it was a tie score. And Josh Donaldson comes up to bat and hits a long fly ball out to right field. And it hits the top of the wall, bounces back into the field of play. It didn't go out? It did not go out. And there was no Jeffrey Mayer moment, but Donaldson, he gets thrown out at first base. I How mean, does that happen? Because he was too busy pimping the home run trot, looking like a big hero and whatnot. And, and he, he didn't even run it out. He got the first base. He, he high-fived the, the coach's hand. And then he turns, <laughs> goes towards second. And then the ball's coming, coming in. So he turns around, goes back to first, and he's tagged out at first base. How could that happen? Run the ball out. Uh, and, and and yet, Jeff, they still won the game, though. They still won the game. How unfair is that? I mean, really? If they don't win that game, I, and I don't mean to jump into your rant because you are you are the mad ranter, but if they don't win that game, that's a huge play. Huge play. A big bonehead play. But, but you know they, what? The fan they, tried to catch it, didn't mm-hmm. didn't touch it. So, but remember the Jeffrey Mayer game? He caught the ball way over the fence. Yes. He's treated like a hero. That Paul Schmuck, Steve Bartman, tried to catch a foul ball in foul territory, and he's a he, he's an ogre. He, he, he he's <laughs> he's the enemy. <laughs> and it's all because because of wins and losses, right? Because in the Jeffrey Mayer game, the Yankees won. In the Steve Bartman game, the Cubs lost. Yeah. The Jeffrey Mayer game had a profound effect on the game. The Steve Bartman game was a foul ball. But it just goes to show perspective, right? Yeah. If the ball, if Bill Buckner misses the ball, the ball goes under his leg, game six, 86 World Series, but the Red Sox win game seven, that is a footnote. Yep. And a little known, not ta- little known, but not talked about at all. But they didn't, and then that play becomes a huge part of history. The bottom line is run the ball out. 
until yes. the umpire says home run, <laughs> run the ball out. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was probably listening to yeah. Remember John Sterling when he, when he was I don't know if he does it anymore, but there was a period of time. I don't know if he needed new glasses or whatever, but he would call balls that were out. He would say they were in, then he would call them out. Oh, they were he, not he, out. He still does that. It is high. Oh, it is far. It is caught by the shortstop and short right <laughs> But but I mean that that is unbelievable. But anyway, that's thank you for the rant, Jeff. You you make you made some people very happy with your rant. I know <laughs> that you did. So, and now let's make some more people happy by having us be quiet. Well, for now, and bringing on our next guest, John Vampatella. John Vampatella graduated from Syracuse University in 1991 with a Bachelor of Science degree, majoring in broadcast journalism from the SI Newhouse School of Public Communication. He's currently the Northeast Regional Director at Athletes in Action. We last spoke with John about his book, The Forgotten Game, Game 5 of the 2004 ALCS Yankees versus Red Sox on episode 112, oh, about a year or so ago. He is back to talk some baseball with us from his New England perspective. Welcome back, John Vampatella. Welcome, hey, John. John. Yeah, hey, good to see you. Well, I guess we're seeing seeing each other on Zoom, but for the folks listening, they'll be hearing us. Uh, good to be here. Really great to talk to you guys again. Well, we're very happy to have you back. And, and John, you know, we're deep in the playoffs now. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we know we the end-of-season awards are always done, voted for prior to the playoffs. So they'll be announced, I think, in, sometime in November or December. But why don't we have a little fun and, and go around the major awards. Let's see who we think is going to win you know, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Cy Young, and Manager of the Year. Oh, sure. oh wait, Chef. Let me I'll, – I'll be like the host, and you guys will be like <laughs> And then I'll chime in once in a while because I feel like I have two great baseball minds – a little biased, I think, at least Jeff with his Mets and maybe John with his Red Sox. So leave your bias at the door, folks, and let's go. We are going to go for the awards in the National League. Let's start with Rookie of the Year. John, you are the guest, so we will let you go first. All right. I'm having a hard time between two guys. And they're both on the Braves. Now, it must be nice to be a franchise that's got two guys of this caliber, you know, as rookies at the same time. But the two guys are Spencer Strider and Michael Mm -hmm. Harris. Both are having tremendous years. And I I really am having a hard time distinguishing between the two. I got to be honest. Uh, You know, obviously, they play very different roles on the team, very different positions. They've, They've both been crazy good. Michael Harris is 21 years old. He's He's been awesome. And Strider, you know, 23, he's a pitcher. So because it's a pitcher versus an everyday player, I think I'm going to go with Harris. He's hit 305. He's got an OPS plus of 140, 19 homers. You know, tough call, but I think I'm going to go with Strider. He's the guy I'd vote for anyway. Okay. Jeff, your opinion? Yeah, it, it sucks that they're both on the Braves. I mean, <laughs> Michael Harris has definitely ha- had a really good season since coming up and called up in May. And Strider has been uh, 
you know, he has been an excellent, excellent pitcher. Too bad at the end of the year he hurt his, his oblique, uh, couldn't finish the season. But he uh, is definitely is up there with strikeouts and has a uh, great ERA. Great for a you know first time in the Atlanta Braves pitching. Just keeps getting better and better. Although I will say Strider has a little bit of a mouth. You know, he did say the Mets were lucky at times. You know when they beat him. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you. Too bad O'Neill Cruz came up later in the season. This guy is going to be a monster when he uh, fully develops. He from the Pirates. This guy has he's six foot seven. He plays shortstop. He'll probably move over to a, either third or first or something. But he is has the power, the sweet swing, left handed hitter, and he is just you can tell he's going to be uh, you know looks like effortless in the field. He's going to be a really good talent, but. For the rookie of the year, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Harris just because I favor him over the, being a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I, and I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the six foot seven and shortstop. I mean, I remember back in maybe it wasn't the back in the day, but you know when you had a shortstop who was over six feet tall, they were considered too big to play the position. Right. You've got a guy who could play center for a lot of college basketball teams playing short and he's got one of the what one of the strongest arms we've ever seen yep. at the position and he's just a blast to watch and I really hope I really hope they don't move him off short you know it's just a unique thing to see a guy his size and his ability play that position it's a lot of fun yeah and there's also two other guys in the National League who who might garner some votes and not going to win the award but um, having a heck of a season in their rookie year is Brendan Donovan He's having a good year for the Cardinals. And also the, the guy on the Cubs, C.A., I'm going to put you his name, C.A. Suzuki. I think it's how you pronounce his name. And he's having a very good year with the Cubs. They're not going to get the year, but they, you know, for first season, very, very well. Excellent choices, guys. Love it. And I have to say, I do love when player is at a position like shortstop and he's not the stereotypical mold, you know, physical-wise. That that's great. I'm gonna just say, I think you guys are right. Probably Michael Harris will probably get it, but I'm gonna go towards pitching, and I'm gonna say Spencer Strider, just because I like to be different. Right. <laughs> so, so, but I think I think you guys will probably be right. But I I, I still ha- have to go with Strider. Okay. So now we move over. Let's move over to the American League for Rookie of the Year. Jeff, I'm still gonna go with John because. He's still our guest, at least for this episode. If he comes on a third time, he starts to become, you know, like. <laughs> right, right. But I, I, have a, I have a feeling we're going to agree on this one because it's really not much of a choice here. John, right. oh, yeah. Ahead, John. I mean, you know, there's, again, there's some great rookies, but it's hard to go with anyone besides Julio Rodriguez. He's had a monster year and what a mm-hmm. blast to watch in the home run derby. And that kid has got a monster future. He's got a monster new contract <laughs> extension, right? Mm-hmm. But he's just an amazing talent. And I think he's going to win this award going, going away, even though there's some pretty good uh, rookies aside from him in the AL. Yeah. You know, we had a, an A-Rod, we had a K-Rod. Now we have J-Rod. So yeah, Julio Rodriguez is definitely going to run away with it. But also you have uh, a couple other good rookies with, uh, in the, with the Orioles. We have Adley Rushman. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. You have Stephen Kwan with the Guardians. He's he's really good. He's a their leadoff hitter. And you know, when the season began, the, the census was Bobby Witt Jr. going to run away with it. I mean, he started off great, but 
you know, has, is not having the year that Rodriguez is having. But Bobby Wood Jr., he's the number one pick, and he's going to be a good one too, but it's going to be Rodriguez. Let's talk a second because, John, you mentioned something. What's your opinion on now what teams are doing where they're taking players who show a lot of potential, having great years, and all of a sudden they offer them these long-term contracts, which could be great, but could also, you know, you might see only a small sampling. We've seen players flashes in the pan. What What's your opinion on that? You think that's the right way for these teams to go, especially the small market teams where they, yeah. they get these guys wrapped up. So they're not a farm system for the made for the bigger market teams. Right. Well, when a player comes up and is a rookie, I think between the time before they get to arbitration and then there's several years of arbitration, I think generally they're under control for six years. And obviously when they hit arbitration, if they're any good, they're going to get bumps in pay. And then after that, the free agent contract comes and they might, if they're really good, they're going to cost a fortune. So what these small market teams are doing is they're figuring, you know what, if I give them a little bit more now, because otherwise they'd be making league minimum, you know, rookie scale, you know, we'll give them a little more now, but we'll end up with a much cheaper 10, 11, 12, whatever the number of years, a year contract uh, in those, in those post arbitration years, we'll have them for much cheaper than we would otherwise. So they're taking a pretty good gamble. You know, the guy that comes to mind is Evan Longoria. If you remember the the Rays signed him to a one of these types of deals, and he was a very good player for a handful of years. And he just kind of, you know, never really lived up to that. They ended up dealing him away. And, you know, he, I would love to have had Evan Longoria's career. You know, most most kids growing up playing baseball would love to have done what he's done in the major leagues, but he never really lived up to the expectation. So was he worth that long contract? I don't know. For a, for a team like Seattle, I mean, I think when you have a talent like this, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a scout. I'm not a talent evaluator. It's hard for me to know where the right place is to gamble. But I think small market teams have to make calculated gambles like this because they know they cannot afford these great players when when they get full free mark, you know, free agent free market opportunities. So they they figure this is our only chance. We've got to take a risk when they're young and hope it pans out. And if not, it won't cost too too much because they're not signing them to, you know, 10 years 420 million. It's 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 10 years you know, a hundred million or 120 million, or, you know, which is still gobs of money, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's different, you know, on the major league baseball scale, you know, I'm not a GM, obviously it's so hard to know the evaluation and the cost. Um, I think it makes sense for small market teams to do this sort of thing. Probably makes even more sense for big market teams to do it because they can, they can afford for it to go South. I think it's an interesting phenomenon. Like the Red Sox are going to be in this position, not with a rookie, but with Rafael Devers coming up. He's 25 years old. They're coming off the, the trade of Mookie Betts, you know, a couple of years ago to the Dodgers, which really soured a lot of the fan base. And now you've got Xander Bogarts coming up for as, you know, as a free agent. What will the Red Sox, or I guess he can opt out of his contract and then he becomes a free agent and the Red Sox have a decision to make, but he's 30, right? Do you really want to give him an eight year contract? I don't know. Devers is just 25. So he's in that sweet spot where, giving him a 10-year deal, you know, a 10-year extension would probably make a lot of sense. 
But it's not quite the same situation as to what Seattle did with Rodriguez, you know, or what Soto just got, you know, or whatever. Or, or uh, Rays yeah. did with uh, Juan de Franco. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it, I think it does make sense for small market teams who have to kind of take gambles on this sort of stuff, but they better hope they get it right. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, I have a feeling, and I, I agree with you, but, you know, with Franco and, and uh, Tatis, well, Tatis now with the uh, – with the PEDs and, and and Rodriguez, you know, obviously they, they take the money they sign because, first of all, you're right, life-changing money. If they get hurt, they have that in the bank. But I have a feeling, you know, when they get into that year five, six, seven, eight, and they're seeing their contemporaries making more money than them, they might start being complaining, okay, time for a trade. Joe Carl Stanton got out of Miami because he didn't like it there, you know, and he signed a contract free on his own free will and say, I'm still out of here. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen when they get to those uh, those years, those prime earning years. And the other thing that I want to ask you about, as long as we're on contracts, because I put us on contracts, is this new it's relatively new, this opt out clause, you know, where where it, it used to be you signed a big deal. And the only way you got out of it, you didn't get out of the contract, but you possibly got traded to another team. And usually you got traded and the team had to throw in some money and pay some. Now, you know, these these guys have these opt-out deals. I mean, like a perfect example is Jacob deGrom. He, he for some odd reason, he feels that his contract doesn't justify this the, the 10 starts that he has this year. And, you know, I think, what what is he getting? Like 30 million a start or something? I mean, whatever it comes out to. What's your opinion on this whole opt-out clause that they've been putting in these contracts? Well, I think it's just another tool for negotiation purposes. So, so let's 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 take a look at the Xander Bogarts situation. Again, he's thirty, and the Red Sox could theoretically structure a deal, uh, a give him a six or seven year deal, which takes him into his you know later thirties. But if they give him a three-year opt-out, let's say they front load the contract and then give him a three-year opt-out. If he's playing great, then maybe he'll want a, another free agent deal. He'll tell you, take a chance and want another free agent deal. But the Red Sox at that point might be like, yeah, I, I don't think I want to pay another free agent deal for him. So if he opts out, they might be very comfortable saying, okay, great. You, you've given us three great years. See you later. But for Bogarts, it would give him another opportunity to make the cash in on a on another big free agent deal. There's there's debates in in at least Red Sox fans circles about whether opt outs favor the the player or favor the team. You know, I think they're an interesting way to do business. I think it I think it gives the it gives teams a little bit of flexibility and it gives gives each side some negotiating power. Um, I think the fear is always as a fan. You know, in the case I just I just described, you know, it's not my money they're spending. So, you know, I want them to keep their favorite, my favorite players if they're good. So in the, in the case that I just described, if Bogarts signed a deal like that and was playing great after three years, I don't want him to opt out. Like, I, I want him to stay on my team. So it's a little disheartening as, as a fan to see your, your favorite players with that kind of a, a clause in their contract. Because it's essentially like a, a three-year a three-year deal instead of, you know, having them be on the team longer. I think you'll see more of it. Let's put it that way. All right. Now let's get back to the, 
we're we're now joining our regular scheduled program in progress as we return to the awards. All right, John, we're going to go to the National League Cy Young Award. Who should win the coveted Cy Young? Okay, I'm going to go with Alcantara from Miami. I think he has been a revelation. He's had a great year for a not great team. Um, I think what gives him the the edge over a guy like Urias from the Dodgers is the number of innings he's pitched. He's pitched 220 plus innings this year, and they've been great. 2.32 ERA. It's the volume that he's pitched, which I think puts him over the top. Um, you just don't. When I was a kid, when you guys were kids, 220 innings wasn't exactly a workhorse right. load. But <laughs> but these days it is. You know, in the days when guys get removed after seeing you know, teams twice through the order, uh, to pitch 220 plus innings is a pretty significant accomplishment. And just because he's carried the load, I, I would give it to him. Um, it's not like he's just pitched a lot of mediocre innings. He's been great over, a, over a ton of innings. Jeff. And Sandy Alcantara also has five, count them five complete games. I mean, five, I can count in one hand is five. I mean, we, we, you know, when we were young, 20, 25 was the norm. But in these days, five complete games is amazing. And he is definitely up there. Uh, Zach Gallon has had a great year, Julio Arias. But I think, I think Edward Diaz will get also some consideration for what he's done. I mean, he struck out half the players, half the batters that he's faced. But in the end, it's going to be uh, Sandy Alcantara who's going to win the award in the National League. Now, Jeff, you just went against something that, that, it's very interesting. You preach all the time is relief pitchers, how they don't pitch enough innings. They on and on and on. Well, it's uh, not unprecedented. I mean, the, uh, relief pitchers have won. The no, yes, before. they have. But but you are not saying that Diaz should get it. You're just no, saying I he think he's going to get consideration. Yeah, he will get some consideration. And he has had a great year. And you're right. It isn't unprecedented. And the good thing about Diaz is he comes in. In, he doesn't have to come in in you know the typical ninth inning. He'll come in in the eighth if he has to put out a fire. He'll pitch two innings. He'll come in in one inning, pitch a, to a batter, come in the next inning, which, again, in this day and age, with everything specialized, is unheard of. And okay, He, he but, has the best walking song, so. Yeah, well, that, I, wanted to ask about that. I wanted to ask about that because I, you know, I haven't been to a Mets game in, in quite a long time, and you know, when, when Mariano would come out for the Yankees, enter Sandman would, would come mm-hmm. on, you know, Metallica playing. And it was a pretty, I don't like the Yankees, but it's a pretty awesome scene, right. To have him come into that. But this looks like honestly, like the most fun you can have at a ballpark, you know, let's say you're, you know, the Groms pitched seven, they built a bridge to get to Diaz in the ninth and you're up three, one in the ninth. And all of a sudden the trumpets start playing it just seems like an unbelievably fun ballpark experience. Oh, it yeah. certainly is. It certainly is. And there was this debate on Facebook, which I can't believe I'm going to bring up. But someone asked, you know, who had the better walking song, Mariano or, or Diaz? And people were going, how could you compare Mariano to Diaz? That's not the question. <laughs> it was the song, not the ability of the picture. Now, and John, this is where... If if we had any kind of budget for this podcast, we would insert 
the music <laughs> for Edwin Diaz and maybe right. even Ariano and have a comparison. But sure. we have budget and I'm not in the mood to sing. So we're going to move on. <laughs> so everybody just imagine it in your head. Okay. Right. Now let's move on. American League, Cy Young. I'll go first because I think there's going to be no doubt about it. It's Jeff, the old ahead. man, Justin Verlander, who is just amazing. Actually, coming back from Tommy John surgery to have the year he's having and that low ERA, I think he's going to be the runaway winner. Yeah, I'd like to put up a fight with that, but I, I'm not going to. Dylan Steese has been really good for the, yes. for the White Sox. I actually was in Chicago uh, in July, and I got to see him pitch, which was really fun. But, yeah, Verlander's had a remarkable uh, – and so he's probably going to win Comeback Player of the Year award too, you would think, right, Verlander? I would hard, think. Hard, to, hard to bet against him, but he's been unbelievable. That guy has had a crazy great career. I, I remember there was a stretch in his career when he, he actually had kind of fallen off a little bit, and then he got his career rejuvenated. He's been He's been unbelievable. Uh, and I don't see I don't see anyone really touching him in terms of uh, Cy Young votes. Yeah, agreed. And speaking of when you talk about comeback player of the year, is it possible that Pujols gets comeback player of the year? He might get some consideration in National yeah. League. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know who he'd be up against. That's not something that I really follow. But it's just the 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 second half of the season that he has had, and he hits you know gets to seven hundred. I, I definitely think he's going to have consideration, if not win it. You know what? He might go up against Lindor because Lindor last year batted 230, you know, pedestrian number of RBIs. Uh-huh. Now this year is 275 over 100 RBIs. And, and I'm sure he'll get MVP, which yeah. we're going to talk about next, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you like that segue? You know, yeah, that was very good. <laughs> that, see? We're so professional. Maybe maybe we could afford to put music in, Jeff. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should, you know. Hi, up the budget. All right. Um, all right. So let's talk about we could we could go American League, National League. But I, I, let's start with National League MVP. All right. John, what do you think? NL MVP. Give us the two people you think it's between, because I think it, it is between two people. Well, uh, I think it's between teammates. I think it's between <laughs> Goldschmidt and Arenado for St. Louis, which again, nice problem to have, right? To, ha- to have one team have two guys uh, who are at least in the top five, probably of MVP voting. I-, I think it's between those two guys. John, before Jeff goes, if I can just quote share for a minute, snap out of it. Okay. You are <laughs> right. But to not mention the polar bear, Jeff, it's your turn. Let's see what you say. Well, you know, Len, I'm looking at the uh, uh, website, the Vegas Insider, because I just want to see the MVP odds. And they listed 10 uh, top guys for the National League to uh, who have a chance for the MVP. Goldschmidt, Freeman, Arenado, Machado, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Austin Riley, Francisco Lindor, and Dazby Swanson. I can't believe the polar bear is not on this list. What? Pete Alonzo leads... The National League in home runs. He leads all of baseball in in RBIs, and he's not a top MVP candidate. I can't believe that. Yeah, what's John? What? Why is that? And you didn't bring him up, so yeah. Listen, I, I don't want to take you guys off about any of this, but the the uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he's obviously had a great year. He's he's second in the majors and homers behind Judge. He 
I don't know. I'm not really 100% sure why he's not getting the, the same level of consideration. You know, he's a he's kind of a fan favorite, too. You know, the way he performs at the home run derbies. You know, there's a lot to like about him. I don't know. Maybe, you know, he's hitting 268, you know, as we wrap up the year. I don't know. Maybe just, he, just, he just doesn't have the same presence i'm not sure uh, you know he, he, have, be, he, he doesn't have the war, he doesn't have the war stats the uh yeah, the other the kind of uh, the other statistics war and ops plus and all that stuff yeah but yeah. you know rbis and home runs you know those are the uh i mean yeah, right but, driving runs that's the name of the game right yeah but you know we have to remember that the three of us are probably older school fans and we think of triple crown categories and things like that and that that's just not how these things get voted on anymore it, it, well, it's just the way it's just the way the game goes uh, right it's, it's but, all about the advanced metrics and such yeah but then john that 268 average shouldn't really matter that much because look at uh, his rbis and his home runs right well uh, rbi his- is a traditional is a traditional triple crown category mm-hmm. um, he, it, he's had a great year it's it's uh i mean i don't <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to claim that he shouldn't be in the running i i think the other two guys are likely to have better cases and get more votes. I wouldn't be certainly upset as a baseball fan if a guy like Alonzo got, you know, top three, top three votes. Um, he should definitely get some for sure. So, so Jeff, uh, who do you pick? So between Goldschmidt, Freeman, and Arenado, I think they're going to, Goldschmidt and Arenado is going to split the vote. And I think it, it just might end up to be triple F Freddie Freeman. I won't tell you what the first F stands for, but that was uh, <laughs> because listen, Freddie Freeman is a hard guy not to like, but when he was on the Braves, I mean, he just killed our Mets. So uh, <laughs> that's why I call him triple F. But uh, I think Freddie Freeman is a heck of a player and he just might end up winning the MVP. All right. So now here's one. I don't know. Probably people will say no contest. At one time, I thought there was a contest. I thought it was between two, but American League MVP, John. I I think we could talk for hours about not who's going to win the MVP because it's going to be Judge, but who's actually a better player and who's actually having a better season between Judge and Otani. It's a fascinating conversation. Because Judge is having an historically great season. There's no denying that. He might be, I mean, if you look at runs, homers, RBI, walks, and batting average, only Ted Williams has finished with the lead uh, in all five of those categories. And Judge is right there in all five as well, which would be, you know, something that's only been done one time in, in, in Major League history. He's so far ahead of the number two guy in the American League in home run. It's it's just not even a contest. So you look at all that and you say, it's got to be Judge, right? But then you look at Otani and he's he's got tons of homers. He's got tons of RBI. He's a, he's a legit premier middle of the order bat. Oh, and by the way, he absolutely should be getting Cy Young Award votes yes. because he's been one of the most dominant starters in the league. Right. It's like, okay, so so there's a guy who's doing things literally that we've never seen before. Babe Ruth is the only the only remotely comparable guy. And he did it, obviously, in an era without integration and and a a totally different world. I'm not going to discount it because it's still a remarkable feat. 
But when you're mentioned in the same breath as the only guy in your universe is Babe Ruth, you know you're doing something that is absolutely remarkable. Now, Otani's numbers this year are down hitting compared to last year, but his pitching numbers are much improved. He's, he's a dominant number one ace who also hits 30-something home runs. <laughs> and 100 runs. I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable. So Judge is going to win it. But I think it's a fascinating conversation to ask who's who's the better baseball player and who's having actually a better year. Judge has more war, but but I think when you factor in the things that Otani does, it's just it's just mind boggling, right? I think yeah. it's fascinating when you have like when you're in the league leaders in hitting home runs, and you're in the league leaders in the pitching category of strikeouts. He has over 200 strikeouts. Meanwhile, hitting this, I mean, that's something that is, you're right, it is unbelievable. It's its just, uh, who is, he, he's just fantastic. Any other year, Otani would win it. But I, I agree with you. And, I, and I you think, know, this judge having the, the year he's having, you know what's going on in his head. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Although, yeah, Otani's thinking the same thing, too, though. He is. He is. Right? And Otani's a little bit younger. Aaron Judge is done, is. 30 already. I mean, now they're talking 40 million a year for eight years. Where? I mean, where's it going to end up? And Otani is going to look, Otani's not making, I mean, look, he's making $5 million. That's not, nothing to sneeze at. But right, right. once he gets free agency, he might get 60 just because he's getting 30 as a hitter and 30 as a pitcher. Well, that's the question. Like, who would you rather say you're a GM? Who would you rather? And, and you could sign one of these two guys. Who would you prefer to sign? I would that's sign Otani. Great question. Yeah, Otani. Oh, I would yeah. sign Otani. Well, this is a season that nobody can expect Judge to ever duplicate. He's not going to repeat you know? it. No, right. Otani, you know, the the question comes up. Well, he's finally healthy the past couple seasons, and but how long can he keep doing what he's doing? So both of them come with you know question marks, obviously, but I still Otani is. Just the excitement, uh, you know, To I, I would buy a ticket just to see Otani play. And that's why he might get more because of what you just said. He, he'll fill up the stadium. Yeah. Well, and he's really, he really is like having two players on your team. It's like with one guy, you fill, oh, top of the rotation starter and premier designated hitter. I think what worries me about him is, and I know they take care of his arm. They, they He doesn't pitch as many innings as... The, the top guys pitch, but I mean, he still pitches a lot of innings. And I just weren't worried that all of that different type of play is going to break his body down a little bit. And then you lose him as a hitter. If he, you know, if he blows out his elbow pitching, then you lose both the pitcher and the hitter at the same time. I, I, I wonder how long he'll be able to continue to do both of those things um it's got to be it's got to be a physical challenge for him to continue to do both of those roles for the team right and as you mentioned when Bray Bruce he, he really didn't do both at the same time so you know yeah, what, in 19 1918 and 19 were the two years where he you know he was a pitcher right in 1918 he he started to hit he was still more of a pitcher in 1919 he started to hit more and was less of a pitcher, and then by twenty, he was he was in hitter mode, and so that's why I said he's only like the kind of the only comparable person 
but he he never did anything like what Otani's doing. No, and and unfortunately, we don't have the statistics for uh, guys like Double Duty Radcliffe and, mm-hmm. and those guys in the Negro Leagues because they they did both as well. Right. That's yeah. yeah that's always the 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 really when when people say that it hasn't been done since Babe Ruth, it really in the Negro Leagues that's really where they did it. They were incredible athletes, and as as our friend Bob Kendrick says, and they did it out of necessity. You know, they that's how they knew to play. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they played like when you're in little league. The pitcher is usually the best player on the team. Yep. He'll play. You know, he can play any position, and yep. and and that's what they did. So, but it it is it it is unbelievable. All right, yeah. so I'm actually I'm actually glad you guys brought up the Negro Leagues because I'm. I'm woefully, I, I lack the knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm not by any stretch an expert in the Negro leagues. And it's, it's, um, I actually need to learn more, a, a lot more about, about that, that era, because there were some incredible players some incredible athletes. And, and my mind just turns to major league baseball history. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know that, you know, obviously it was segregated for so long. And mm-hmm. so just so many great players, kind of just get lost in the shuffle and that's that's unfortunate so i just you know i I fall victim to it too you know i end up thinking about ted williams babe ruth lou gehrig you know ty cobb and and i think oh but you know what there were other great players who didn't have the opportunity to play and that's you know just one of the tragic parts of baseball history yeah check out the podcast black diamonds yeah with bob kendrick any opportunity we have to have anything dealing with the negro leagues we will have on because it it's just uh it's such a vital part of baseball history. Okay, let's talk about manager of the year. Okay, we'll start with the you know what, let's go to the American League manager of the year. John, we know that it's not going to be the manager of the Red Sox this year. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but probably not. Probably not. What uh, do you think? Um I'm going to go I think Aaron Boone will get some votes because the Yankees have been so good, but I'm actually going to go with Brandon Hyde of Baltimore. He probably won't win it, but I just think that kind of like Seattle, uh, you know, that franchise has been so bad for a while, like so bad. And they've just had a remarkable turnaround without the addition of any new superstar, right? It's not like they signed a a hundred million dollar contract guy. They've just kind of built their team with a bunch of people that we don't really think too much about. And typically when teams make that kind of turnaround, the manager gets a lot of credit. So I think he's, if he's not going to win it, he's going to be in the running for sure. Jeff. Yeah. Well, Aaron Boone's going to get a little consideration because look, I didn't think the Yankees would end up in first place and they, uh, they, they did. I didn't think they have the pitching for it. He'll get some consideration, but the, being the Yankees, he's, he's he shouldn't win it because they just they're loaded with Judge and Stanton, Rizzo, those guys. Brandon Hyde did an excellent job with the Orioles, as did Scott Service with the Mariners. I'm going to go with well, an old school guy with Terry Francona, and what he did with the Guardians, who has Ooh. the youngest roster yeah. in the majors. In fact, his roster is younger than some of the AAA rosters. So I think it's, it's Terry Francona might might be the one to get it just because what he did with the, nobody thought the Guardians would do anything this year. I was actually going to throw in Dusty Baker because to be a little different, 
and and what he's done with Houston and they're you know taking them from their scandal and and he but yeah I I agree with you actually I think Francona the Guardians that is I would love to excellent. see that I'm a, I'm a big Francona fan obviously he was a Red Sox manager when they won it all in 04 and 07 uh, and so I I would just be thrilled for him if he if he got it that'd be really cool all right so let's go to i believe this is the last award and it would be the national league manager of the year john you guys are going to be happy with me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm not going to go with the manager who's winning a you know triple digit wins i'm going to go with buck showalter of the new york metropolitans i think (laughs) he's done a great job and it's not like they don't have some high-priced talent, but it's it's fun to see the Mets playing the kind of baseball that they played this year. Uh, he's he's the kind of guy who generally doesn't have a lot of staying power in an organization. Just the, his style, he can only do it for a few years. But he's been he, he he generally does a great job early in his tenure, and he's done a great job with the Mets. I I think he wins it. Yeah, oh, I, I definitely agree with it's going to be Buck. I think Buck was the most important acquisition the Mets made this past year in, two, in 2022. I mean, some guy, you know, Brian Snickers will get a, a vote or two. Dave, Dave Roberts just because of the Dodgers. Rob Thompson kept the Phillies after the uh, disaster with Joe Girardi. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be Buck, Buck Schwalter. And he just an amazing job. And you're, you're right, John. He wears out welcome after a couple of years. Look, when he was the Yankee manager, the Yankees win the World Series the year after he left. Goes to the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks win the World Series the year after he left. He went to the Texas Rangers, Texas Rangers go to the World Series the year after they lose, but they got to the World Series the year after he left. Mm-hmm. He went to the, uh, he, he rebuilt the, the Orioles, and now uh, the Orioles went to the playoffs. Now, uh, obviously, the Mets, and I think he's going to be the manager of the year. All right, John, I got to tell you, you know, it. we do this podcast. Sometimes we put it out weekly now. Jeff and I, we always, we, when we get interviewed, people ask, you know, how you get started. When we first started five years ago, we would do an episode and then it was kind of like, oh, I guess we should probably do another episode. It could be three weeks. Then we went every other week. We're now weekly. And I think what happens sometimes is we're so busy thinking about the next episode that we sometimes lose touch with the past episodes, your episode 112 was fantastic. And what really brings that home is the fact that I am enjoying this so much with you right now. We cannot not have you back. So you have to commit to coming back because you have a great baseball mind and you're entertaining. So well, thanks. I'm just I, telling I you that you now. Guys. It, it, you, know, you know how much I love baseball, and I love talking baseball with guys who love baseball. And I would be on your show anytime you guys want. It's uh, it's just a blast for me. Good. And yeah, I mean, sign me All up. Right. All right, good. So then, so what you're saying is your favorite podcast is baseball and BBQ. That's what you're <laughs> that's, saying. That's what I'm telling you guys. Yep. All right. Good. All right. Jeff, so, that get edited. All right. John, so, how how is uh how is the reception to your book, The Forgotten Game, uh, going absolutely. since you since you uh published it? What's the reception been? Yeah. It's been great. Uh, people have people have loved it. Uh, I think obviously it's special to Red Sox fans because it chronicles you know one of the great moments in in Red Sox team history. But I've had Yankee fans tell me how much they loved it. 
I've had just general baseball fans say, you know, it, you're right. I had forgotten all about that. And it, it brought it all back to life. And they they love a lot of the the side stories, the, the side things that I talk about, whether it be how a player was acquired or my little conversation about who I think is the greatest pitcher of all time or uh-huh. on strategy. And it, there's enough there for just the casual baseball fan to relive a great game. And there's enough there for kind of a hardcore baseball nut to really dive into it. And so I think it it has a little bit of something for everybody. And it just takes fans back to one of the great games. I've been very, very grateful for the positive feedback on the book. It was a really fun project to do. And you guys do a podcast, so you put yourselves out there to the public, right? If it was just the two of you chatting over the phone, and the public doesn't hear your crazy opinions, right? Like you, nobody, nobody, you, you're not putting anything at risk in doing that. When you write a book, all my opinions about, about Pedro Martinez, for example, you know, which I would just say to my friends now, all of a sudden are on the public record and people can read about it and people can go, man, that guy's dumb, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's, been, you know, so you open yourself up to all kinds of criticism and I'm just grateful that the feedback I've gotten has been, very, very encouraging, very positive. And uh, I'm just really glad people are enjoying it. It was a joy to do and that it, it it's it's brought some baseball fans some joy in reading it just makes it all worth it to me. And I, I don't mean that to be trite. That's really true. Did, uh, did the Yankees fans give you a hard time when you uh, said that I think Derek Jeter wasn't the greatest defensive shortstop of all time? <laughs> well, uh, some of them don't like that I said, you know, when they when they traded for A Rod, that the better move would have been to leave A Rod at short and Jeter to third. They I always like said it. that. Always said that. Yeah, he did. He did. You, you know what, John? You're right. You're so right because you really you don't know once you put something out there. When we put this show out there, and you get comments, and people will, you are putting it out there, and it is. You wrote this book. It's out there. And it was a phenomenal book for anyone who doesn't remember what it was called. It's the forgotten game. I know Jeff mentioned in the beginning the forgotten game. It's all about the Yankees at the Red Sox game five of the 2004 American League Championship Series. And for any baseball fan, it's such a unique perspective to take one game and analyze it. And it's amazing how how exciting it it can be. So just really great book. Now, John, I look on your web website, which is by the way, johnvapatella.com, and it looks like you're working on a new project, not baseball related, but football related. Do you want to tell us I about am. that? Sure. Um, I am a I'm a baseball fan first and foremost, but I'm a sports fan of many colors. And football is another game that I love. And I've been very fortunate to be a Patriots fan. It was not so fortunate in my early, early days as a fan because they weren't very good when I was a kid. But obviously, the last twenty years have been pretty amazing, and oh, we're yeah. just now we're just now getting back to real life in the NFL. What what typical fans go through, which is, huh, my team isn't really that that good. I, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen on any given Sunday, but that's okay. Uh, it was worth it for those twenty years. But this book is about tentatively titled a publisher might change that. It's tentatively titled 53rd Man. And the idea behind it is that 
we all know about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, going back in the day, Tony Dorsett and Roger Staubach. And we know all about the great players. But what about the guys who are just struggling to make it in the league? We don't hear very many stories about those guys, what life is like when you're, you know, when you're on the on the NFL bubble, so to speak, and you are just trying to make a living in the league. We just we glamorize and glorify professional sports, professional athletes to a degree that we think they're all just they're all rolling in dough. They've got life made in the shade. And really, the vast majority of them, it is a challenge just to make whether it be in baseball or basketball or in this case, football, a a professional roster. And just as an example of the types of things that are in the book, I talk about injuries. And if Patrick Mahomes went down with an ACL tear this weekend, I'm not certainly not wishing that on anybody. My, my daughter and my son have all suffered ACL injuries and they're terrible. He's secure. They're going to give him a chance to come back. Well, let's let's make it not a, a not that kind of injury. Let's let's make it a, an injury where a guy maybe could play through an incredible amount of pain, but really needs to have surgery. A guy like Patrick Mahomes can just go ahead and, and take the week off. His contract, like they're not, he's not at risk of losing his job. But but the fifty third man types, the guys who are on the very edge of the roster, suddenly feel this unbelievable pressure to play injured. Uh, to play hurt because if they don't, there's another guy at his level that the club can just snap up and plug in his place. So the pressure that these guys face to perform at a certain level while putting their bodies at risk when they're already dealing with injuries is immense. And for for a lot of them, once they they are kind of booted from the league, they never see the light of day again. They're just gone. So this is their one and only chance. And I can't, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be under that kind of pressure, to have to, to, yes, they're playing a game they love, but to have to step into that situation and, and perform knowing that you're hurt, because if you don't, you're going to lose your job. There are probably other fields where that is a, a real thing, but it's, it's the kind of thing that I talk about in the book, because there's just so many great and incredible stories of guys who are, who are in that boat. I talk a little bit about special moments for a 53rd man. Okay, maybe it's not catching the game-winning touchdown in a Super Bowl. Maybe for them, their great moment is making a tackle in an NFL game. And what must that be like? Pretty amazing, right? Pretty yeah. amazing stuff. So there's this, there's a whole ton of great stories. And I, and I highlight three guys in particular that really I, I thread through the book. And as we speak, publishers are looking at it. And my hope is that somebody takes it on because it's a really it's another really fun project with a lot of great stories to tell well i'm looking forward to reading it i i think you saw a statistical or heard it that in, in football the average lifespan of a football player is less than three years yes i saw that yes yeah yep yep and so like that's the this is part of it right because if if you if you're a marginal player the odds of you getting cut and then coming back are small, right? So, so once you're cut, you're done. And so they're perfectly, they might even be perfectly healthy, but it's just a tough sport to stick in. And there's no guaranteed contracts, which is a big, big deal in football. So mm-hmm. their players are very easily cuttable. If that's a, if that's a word and teams don't even think twice. And there's a million guys that they could pick off the practice squad or whatever. So it's, it's a super challenging sport to make a career in and, 
again, you know, guys are just fighting like crazy just to, to make it in the league and to stay in the league. Oh, it sounds like a fascinating book, and we wish you all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. You could dedicate it to us. That's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> They'd be like baseball guys. What? Like what? What are they doing about that? Book? That makes no sense. Right. right, right well, right. I mean, we have uh, our buddy Ray Sheehan wrote a, a a book on using the big green egg, and there's a blurb from Hojo Howard Johnson. You know, the great third baseman for the Mets because he's a big barbecue guy. So, all right, there you go. There you no. go. Yeah. So, so John, be, before we let you go. 2023 Red Sox, what changes would you like to see made? Oh, boy. Uh, well, first, I'd like to see them healthy. They, they've, I, I don't know if they're number one or number two in, the, in all of baseball in terms of games lost to injury this year. So I'd like to see them healthy. Particularly, I'd like to see the old Chris Sale again. That would be lovely. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's obviously got a world of talent, but he he's pitched like six innings in the last three years. So, so it would be really nice to have a number one starter again. Um, I'd like to see a little more power. They had this massive drop-off in power from last year to this year. And some of that was due to, you know, they don't have Schwarber. They don't have Renfro, two guys who hit a lot of homers for them last year. But some of it is just guys like Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and even Devers just have had down years with the bat. So I'd love to see power come back. They need to get a new right fielder. I'm excited about some of the young guys they have coming up. And I, I'm a guy named Brian Bayo is a, is a young pitcher who's made a handful of starts for them. He, he throws an easy 98 with tons of movement. And he's a guy who I think if he stays healthy, he's on track to be one of their next great pitchers. And it's fun to see some of these young guys come up. Another guy, Tristan Cass is a first baseman uh, has come up from AAA and he's started to mash a little bit. Yeah. They, they need, they need, they need some help. Um, but you know, you know how it goes in baseball. Things fluctuate wildly from year to year, and and kind of everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this year. And you got to assume that you you won't have a second year in a row where everything's gone wrong. So you hope that some of these guys just bounce back and regress to the mean and play like they normally do. And if they do, they'll be a lot better. And we hope they're going to be a, a force a force against the Yankees. That's for sure. Yes, that would be great. They they were <laughs> terrible against the AL East this year. Yeah, terrible. They they had a great record against the rest of baseball but like are playing like 300 this year against the American league East. It's tough mm-hmm. to tough to do much when you're, when you're 30 games under 500 against your division. Yeah. John, I've got one more for you. Speaking of the Red Sox. And since they did have a bad year, what's your, besides the obvious winning a world series or what, do you have a, a special Red Sox moment that you, that you could look back at as one of your favorites? Well, I mean, I, there's a lot. I mean, 2004 winning the World Series. I mean, if you if, let's let's leave the World Series victories out um, mm-hmm. because those are, of course, amazing. I mean, 2004 was just a, a magical year. I actually think I'll, I'll just go in person. I had the opportunity to see Pedro Martinez pitch live a few times, but I remember seeing Roger Clemens pitch for the first time, and this was in the uh, you know 87, 88, something like that when he was young, and I remember. I was sitting in the right field grandstands, you know, behind the bullpens out in right field with Fenway. And it was the first time I can ever recall hearing this sound when Clemens would throw a fastball. I'm like 430 feet away from home plate. And I hear this pop, pop, 
pop when his pitches would hit the mitt. There are obviously other guys who could throw as hard as Clemens back then. And certainly now there's a ton of guys who could throw harder than Clemens did. But that was the first time I ever recall hearing that sound from that far away. And I thought, this is amazing. And of course, he was just really, you know, electric to watch, really fun to watch. Uh, so that's just one of those memories you, that, that kind of sticks out to you as a kid. I had one other time, <laughs> my dad would take me to Fenway usually once a year. And it was there was a Yankee Red Sox game. And I got really, really sick. And I probably spent the first two innings of the game thrown up in the bathroom, you know, one of the gross bathrooms at Fenway Park. And then I was suddenly better. All of a sudden, I was like totally better. And I just needed to do that, I guess. And and we went back out to the stands and I started eating everything in sight. And it was a great game. But like my dad was like, this kid is going to die right here in the bathroom of Fenway Park. Um, so that was, he, he brings that up from time to time. Yeah, remember when you almost died? Yeah, that was fun. So I, I think a lot of the memories that I have are the kind of memories that, you know, I was there in person for. And, so, and, you know, with my dad or with friends, and those are always pretty special moments. That's one thing that's so great about baseball, you know, is is just being able to go take in a ball game with people you like. And there's just, I don't think there's any other sport like it for that sort of thing. Well said, well said. And everybody go back to episode 112 and listen to our interview with John as he talked more about his book. Jeff, you're good at wrapping things up. Say wrap it up. Okay. I get to I me personally, I'll never shut up. I could talk to you forever. Thanks for coming on. Jeff. My pleasure, guys. John, uh, why don't you plug your website and uh, social media while while you're here? Okay. On Instagram, John Vampatella author. And for my website, it's just johnvampatella.com. And on there you'll see the book projects I've worked on and the upcoming projects that I'm um, looking forward to and presently working on. That's where you can buy my books and check things out. Yeah, I appreciate you guys giving me a chance to even even talk about that. Yeah, thank you very much. We uh, we we're glad you came back, and we're gonna we'll hope you come back again. So thank you, John. Hundred percent. Thanks, guys. Thank you, John. And let's see if our predictions come true. Yes, let hopefully they do. You know, Jeff, how do we have? so much time go by i mean we've had so many great baseball people on but john he doesn't need to write a book to come on the show he's really great guest very enjoyable look forward to having him back again yes yes absolutely and if i could just tell everybody that bet online we are brought to you actually by bet online where the game starts and you know jeff when i say that that's you know what that means. I'm the go. Yeah, exactly. We're not starting. We're ending. And how do we end it? With the poet. Chel Krakowski. And musician. Dave Dresser. Let me just ask you before we get to the song. Jeff, what does BBQ stand for? Barbecue. Much better. <laughs> so as we end with Baseball Always Brings You Home, Jeff has full energy. Bye, everyone.
Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 